Hi, you guys, and welcome back to the Superhost Labs podcast. I am one half of the Carwells, Emily. Sarah is having some technical issues, so she is hopefully going to be popping in here soon. But we have a special guest here today, Marilyn. Hi, Marilyn. Hi. Um, yeah, so you have a lot of experience in Airbnb. We actually met you at the very beginning of our journey, which is really exciting. But can you intro yourself for anybody in our listeners who has not seen you before? Yes, my name is Marilyn Taylor, and I have been a Vacation Rel host since 2005, before Airbnb even existed. And um, I now, I became an interior designer through that process, and now I sort of combine the two as an Airbnb coach and, uh, and use my real estate investing training as well lump it all together and I help train hosts on how to become heart-centered hosts with a focus on design and also protecting themselves as a host. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I feel like we've learned a lot from you along the way as well. You always have the best like tips and tricks that you're commenting on all of our videos, which is always really exciting. Everybody knows that we start our episodes with an Airbnb horror story, and you have experience in that. So can you give us your Airbnb horror story or a combination? Because you said you might have a few. <laughs> yeah, I know. When you first asked me that, I was like, okay, putastrophe, squatter. I don't know which one. <laughs> I used to have annual putastrophes at my Cape Cod house because it had a septic system and you know people loved to throw things down the toilet that they shouldn't no matter how many cute signs I put up um, so yeah I'll give you I think I'll give you a brief with the two uh, especially for people out there that have septic systems and extra systems that other you know more like urban homes don't have to deal with but um, I had this system that the downstairs toilet was below ground and it had an ejector pump that had to send all the lovely things up and into the septic tank and people enjoyed um, putting things down that toilet that they shouldn't and it would like break my ejector pump and all the things would come back into the house. So I had hazmat cleanup like literally three years in a row. I am not getting um and you know these people are so brilliant at being like wasn't us can't prove it and then you're you know eleven hundred dollars and has that clean up later and having to replace flooring and baseboards and and things like that and then another one was a squatter situation that i had where it, i was stressed it was we were going into the summer season this is in my desert property and um usually summer was just dead you'd have nobody and we were just in a personal time where it was like a little stressed financially. And so this guy came along and, and met my cleaner while she was cleaning and said, hey, you know, the other unit I'm in doesn't have proper air conditioning. It's too hot. I'm looking for another place. I need to move quickly. And so I talked to him, total smooth talker, said he's here. You know, he's being hired to run some construction projects and his boss is paying for it, but he'll pay the deposit and blah, blah, blah. He sends the deposit through Stripe, signs my rental contract, sends me his photo ID, like the whole thing. And uh, I let him move in. And because I have smart sensors in my home, I get notifications. He's telling me he's gone always during the day because he's on the construction site. But yet I see there's movement in my rental. And then I see that they keep, you know, turning. So it's set so that if it's empty, it'll take the temperature up to a place where it's still comfortable when they arrive home, but not wasting energy. So I figure out there's somebody else in my house during the day. Turns out he never stayed there. He let his brother, his girlfriend, and their little kid move in. They moved a bunch of their own furniture in, let their kid loose on my whole property with a a, a permanent marker. Like it was all over my cabinets, my linens, like red kool-aid stains all over the i mean the amount of damage these people did in the 11 days before i could get them out was unbelievable like it's i just don't even understand how people get through life functioning like that <laughs> making such a mess i mean yeah. my cleaning was like, i've never seen anything like this like i don't even know what some of these stains are and like every linen every piece of cloth in my entire 
place had to be and they had two sets because you know he was going to be living there so i gave him sets to swap out do laundry whatever yeah so thank god because of my rental contract uh he tried to get ahead of me called the sheriffs and said i have an agreement for two months here no he didn't he had an every two week it renewed every two weeks because i don't do anything over 28 days but he was like i just want to pay for two weeks in advance i said then we'll just renew every two weeks because of that and my rental contract the sheriffs were like yeah he called us you have to evict him no i don't he's not this is not his primary residence blah 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 so i meanwhile people in my house are not actually the people that i have an agreement with so he's like just tell us when to come and we'll get him out for trespassing and so they ended up leaving on their own accord once i told them that but if i did not have that rental contract I would have been screwed. So that's my story. Oh, oh God. <laughs> no to both. <laughs> I mean, you make such a good point with that rental contract, too, because it's like, you know, typically, like with me starting an arbitrage, they function a lot like hotels, right? So, I mean, we have people that are staying for like max five days, typically like two to four. And so it's never even like been an issue. Well, then COVID hits. Right. And yeah. all of a sudden regular travel stops. And so the people that we're targeting are travel nurses and business travelers and people who are displaced because they have family who has COVID or or whatever else. And so all of a sudden that conversation got brought into my world where I was like, you know, I'm running this hotel style Airbnb. And now all of a sudden I'm getting requests for one to three months. And I'm like, oh, no, I know that we're in danger here. Like, I know that we're susceptible to more here. So the management company yeah. that I use, they had to develop a rental contract immediately to try and cover our butts on that front as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. That'll save you. Oh, it does. It does. And it has so many times. And, and I receive so much pushback to, oh, it's extra steps. It's, you know, the guests aren't going to want to sign it. And I'm like, well, that's okay, because there's plenty who will. And I want the guests who are like, sure, I'll sign your contract because those are the guests that immediately tells me they have no uh, ill intention with my rental. They're happy to follow rules and respect my rental. And that's all we're asking of them. But, you know, there's also a lot of liability when you allow somebody to sleep in a property that you own. That alone, just simply that liability and not making that concise and clear, which Airbnb's agreement does not make clear. You have to set your rules. Airbnb can't set the rules for millions of properties. We're all different. So that's where this contract, in my opinion, comes in so handy because it just and it, it has protections for the guests, too. It's not a one one sided contract. So most people, when they understand it and they look at it, they realize, okay, you know, I'm fine with this. And the people who have not been comfortable and say, you know, I've never had to do this in Airbnb, I'm like, that's okay. There's plenty of hosts out there who will not make you sign one. Go find one. <laughs> yeah. Go stay somewhere else. Thank you very much. Yeah. And in my experience as a guest, like anytime that I've been asked to sign a contract on Airbnb, one, it's like, you know, we're familiar with it, so you don't even bat an eye. But two, right. it like also speaks to the host. Like typically those experiences are better because you know that host is taking their job seriously and they value their yeah. property and they have a high expectation and like We're that pours into yeah yeah so mm. it's like when somebody does ask for a rental contract to be signed i'm like oh good it's like almost a guarantee that your experience is going to be better yeah and do you know to this day i have never been asked to sign one i mean i've stayed in so many airbnbs and it just shocks me i mean they hardly communicate with me the majority of hosts that, that I have worked with hardly even communicate. I have to ask all the questions. Okay, well, how do I do this? When can I expect that? They, yeah, so. Yeah, we uh, we were asked to sign one at a luxury Airbnb in Florida, in Marco Island. And I mean, Marco Island is a little bit of a bougier area in Florida anyway. But I mean, that property was the nicest Airbnb I've ever stayed in in my life. And the rules were strict. And they were like, look, like we have to, you know, if you if you want to enjoy this property, we have to abide by these rules. And we were like, yeah, we would never break a single one because we want to be able to come back, you know. And I think I think, too, you know, Airbnb has done a disservice to the industry in general by making it seem like they've got everybody covered and, and you know, guests shouldn't have to speak to the host in order to stay in their place. They should just be able to instant book just like a hotel we're not hotels. And that frustrates the ever living crud out of me because 
we're individuals who have invested in a property and where I live in Southern California or anywhere in California for that matter, you're pretty much in for a coal mill, you know, on, on the most basic of properties. And so I'm supposed to hand my million dollar investment to a total stranger and not ask questions or not have you, you know, agree to certain terms. That mentality just blows me away. And from where I come starting in 2005, that was like people understood they they rental contracts were totally standard i have done this for 17 years it was airbnb who set a precedent that people just thought they didn't even think about it they didn't even think about the liabilities and the and the risks that they were taking um because airbnb makes it seem so easy yeah and the thing about like it, when people compare it to hotels that's always so irritating to me because no matter what at a hotel there's always at least one person at a front desk that can see who's coming in and out the front door yes. and watch cameras your yes. airbnb does not have a person who's on site all the time yeah. to take yeah. care of any issues that somebody has so there's no way that you can just like let whoever go in and out it that baffles me. The such a good point. Them. That is such a good point. And so, you know, our ring camera at the door, that's our front desk person, you know, and people who, who are uncomfortable with that or don't feel good about that, that to me tells me, well, you're doing something that you probably shouldn't, you know, I don't have a camera in your bedroom or the bathroom. It's just outside seeing who's coming in my door. So, yeah. yeah. And it, exactly. I mean, honestly, it's like, the person who's staying there too it's like you're not familiar with the area like wouldn't you feel secure that we've got some sort of a reporting device on the outside of the house yeah. like why is it so weird yeah yeah exactly yep well beautiful emily do you want to get some questions kicked off as we kind of dive in here yes so you were talking about your properties specifically i think you said uh cape cod and then you have like a desert property but how did your journey in real estate investing start which one was your first one and like how did you get into that Okay, so I, in 2005, we had friends who were selling their house in East Ham in Cape Cod and uh, their buyer fell through. And so they fired their real estate agent and they were like, are you guys interested by any chance? Because they knew I already owned another rental in Vegas. And uh, so we ended up buying that house uh, just directly from them off market and um, that was the first one I put online. Then my husband's parents wanted to sell their house a couple towns away in Wellfleet where he grew up. And so they offered us an opportunity to buy their house and they gave us a gift of equity. So we didn't even have to put any money down. And so it was like no brainer. So then we bought that one and uh, it was grandma's cottage. It was a 1978 grandma's cottage, orange shag carpets, mauve walls and wallpaper borders. I mean, it was awesome. And so <laughs> that's when I first started cutting my design teeth. You know, the other one, it was it was already, you know, pretty cute. There wasn't a whole lot I needed to do there. But, you know, I just this was before Pinterest, like I am totally dating myself. But um, I designed that one. And then I did the Cape, the Wellfleet one. And I realized when I looked at my competition, and I knew enough about real estate at that point, I had a real estate license already, you know, to run comps and see who my competition is and not over renovate or over decorate and, you know, just kind of see what is the market demanding. And, uh, and I realized an opportunity to be one of the cutest rentals on the Cape. Back then, people kind of didn't appear to care about aesthetics. They just sort of threw whatever furniture they found on the side of the road or whatever was left over. It was all mismatched and old and, you know, but my cousin grew up out there. She's like, nobody cared because we just want to go to the beach. We drop our bags and we head to the beach and that's where we are the whole time. We're just there to sleep and maybe eat something, but they did not care about the experience of the rental itself. So I named my company Cape Cod Experience. LLC because I already had that vision to create an experience for them. So I just slowly renovated mostly DIY, mostly by myself um, over probably took about five years to get it to a place where I felt really good about it. And then I kept kept renovating it over the years. But that was where it started. Uh, and then I had I went to a resort um, little retreat that my friend put on in Desert Hot Springs at this Mineral Hot Springs like mobile home resort. And 
I was walking around and saw for sale signs in the windows and they were like $12,000, $18,000, And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) I can buy a house for how much? So I jumped on that and I bought one for $7,000 and put about, I don't know, probably between purchase and renovations, put about 20 grand into it and had this cute little, you know, tiny home rental in mineral hot springs resort and people loved it and it did well in the first year so i bought two more the next year i waited for the season to be over and i got the fire sale you know a couple fire sale properties and then took the summer to get them up to speed and then launched them when the season began in september october and i had those for six years and then when COVID hit i pretty much sold everything sold all the properties i actually also rented out we owned a home near lax it was a big house and uh, we ended up living in Dana Point where my husband was working so we had a little like 900 square foot rental here and this is where we ended up spending most of our time this is where my husband was I wanted to be with him so I ended up Airbnb the downstairs of my primary home and that one did really well because it had been by then you know i was a fairly accomplished designer i had been on hgtv i had been in magazines and that kind of thing and that one had been in house beautiful uk featured that one and so it did really well so i i now i have experience with like a tiny home to you know a big house in rural cape cod and and then also airbnb being my own personal home and what that's like when your personal things are there and how do you manage that and keep things safe and you know tell guests where they can be and where they can't be so um but it helped you know it didn't cover our mortgage but it definitely helped cover that extra you know paying rent here and a mortgage there so yeah yeah, absolutely. You got bit by all the bugs. You wanted to do all the different things. <laughs> you know, I'm that girl that when I see opportunity, I jump on it. But, you know, but I ended up selling everything because at the end of the day, I realized I didn't approach as investment minded as I wish I would have. I didn't, you know, I did numbers, but I I didn't really know how to do the numbers when I bought the units in the desert. And, I, you know, if we're going to look at ROI or cash on cash return, my the numbers were good but you know it was like a tiny investment and and a small profit margin or not yeah it just wasn't enough money for what the effort was in for me i got bit with the same bug you guys have which is like no i want one property to be earning me five grand profit a month you know like i i don't want to have i i not that girl i don't want 100 properties i don't want 20 properties i don't want a rental arbitrage a zillion I don't want that headache. I'm all about learning how to have strong profit, but work smarter, not harder. So 1000% quality over quantity. That's what it is. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, you got to learn in bite-sized chunks, right? And and as you get further into it, like what we always advise new, new investors to do is to try and make some sort of a totem pole of priorities because, you know, there's there's so many advantages to owning property and real estate investing and Airbnb specifically. And when you first start, you have to understand where your priority is at, right? Like at the beginning, yeah. it might be, let's see how many we can get. I don't care about the effort. I just want the max amount of cash flow. But as you get further and further down the road, that lifestyle play tends to play more and more and more into it. And you're like, okay, let me take everything I've learned and let's refine it. Let's massage it and let's figure out the one that works best for me long term. Right. Right. And I think a great way to cut your teeth if if you are either younger or scared and not sure and you don't want to take that giant leap into buying an entire property for that purpose or a rental arbitrage or something, if you have an extra space in your home that you can rent out, like a good friend of mine, he's he's like 24 years old and he bought a house and had a little garage in the back and he converted the garage into an ADU that he now is renting out on Airbnb. And, and that is a really great way to start or even just an extra room that you can create its own entrance or something like that. Whatever. There's lots of ways to start understanding how to do this. But but yeah, you're right. You You need to like $1,500 a month extra for somebody might completely change their world. And that's enough. And there is nothing wrong with that. And not everybody has to go for these big gun, you know, huge investments. Like for me, I'm getting into a property, I'm in escrow right now. 
you know, it's $975,000 to get into this house. But the numbers make sense in the back end where the risk, the higher risk is worth the reward. But not everybody's, you know, I have a lot of experience and uh, not everybody that sees people talking about numbers like this should feel like that's what I have to do right in the beginning. You don't want to overwhelm yourself either. Yeah. And that'll push you out so fast, right? It's like if you're trying to Mm -hmm. jump in at the top of the totem pole competing with the people who have been in it for 10 plus years, like that's just such a recipe for disaster. Like you are just going to be trying so much harder than if you're you know, somewhere quieter, maybe smaller, maybe less expensive yeah. to start out and get your feet wet in. It just stresses yeah. me out yeah. when everybody like- Or even a super like, competitive like, market, like people getting into Joshua Tree right now with zero experience, you are competing with the best of the best out there. Like it is no joke. It is saturated. People know what they're doing. There are spectacular properties, big and small. So, you know, that's a situation where you want to get into Joshua Tree you, sorry, my dog is barking. That's okay. For a second, so you can um, so if you want to get into somewhere like Joshua Tree, working with a company like your guys, is that's that's where that makes total sense because you guys know what you're doing. You know what needs to happen in a property to be successful. You know how to market it. You know how to compete. So, yeah. Yeah, it makes a difference. And sometimes we'll have people come to us that like, want to pay our fee for arbitrage properties and they're brand new and it's in an area that's not super competitive. And we're like, look, like, you know, as, as a design business, like we love that you want to give us your business, but as fellow investors, we don't think this is where you really should be spending your money because it doesn't always make sense. Right. I love that. Yeah. So, so we're, we try and pride ourselves on our bread and butter being repeat clients who need us and not people who are inexperienced and we don't want to lead them down the wrong path. So true. You bring up such a great point because I'm actually uh, farming two different areas in California right now. One where there are there's Airbnbs, but it will be so easy to be the top property there because it's a lot like Cape Cod was back in the day. It's Airbnb, I think, is still kind of new to that area. But people, you can tell it's mostly individuals doing it. And there's not a lot of professional hosts out there. And the homes are just like, meh, you know, they're all right. But I can come in there and design the crud out of it and people are going to flock. So versus the other area that I'm investing in that is already like every new Airbnb that comes up is just spectacular. So, you know, the the numbers are better there, but my competition is going to be a lot more fierce there, too. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And you don't learn that until you're kind of in the space for a while, you know. Amen. Or unless you have somebody guiding you and helping you through that process. I think we've had the conversation with people who are like, I have this budget, but I really want to hire you. And we're like, no, take your budget. We give free tips online all the time. Just go Mm -hmm. follow our free tips and use your money where you need to use it. Because it's not like you could have a better property taking what our design fee would have been and just taking our free tips. Right. (laughs) 1000%. Okay. So next question we've got for you is what is your niche? So my niche, which I discovered early on, was heart-centered host approach, which is, that's the name of my course, heart-centered host. It's, It's just a small little starter course, but I feel like that's so foundational because so many people, especially with TikTok and Instagram and, you know, oh, make money, passive income, and, you know, look how much money I'm making so fast. And then people are attracted for that reason, completely forgetting the fact that this is a hospitality business. You've got people's vacations in your hands. You've got, you know, family, like there's obviously it's more than just people vacationing, especially now it's really grown. So beyond that, but you, if to me, if you're going to get into this just to make a quick buck and you're going to just slap Airbnbs together really quick and throw it up and think you're going to make a zillion dollars, you have a world of hurt coming on your hands and you're not going to get great reviews. And, you know, there's plenty of people that do that in areas where maybe you can survive that way. That's why Airbnb has a bad name is that sort of style of hosting. And so my niche, definitely, I think the design aspect and how important giving people an experience. I, I, as a designer, when I used to teach that, I used to say that design is a form of self-care. 
So whether it's your home or, or where you choose to stay, I know for me, when I walk in a space and it makes me feel something and, and I get excited, like I'm getting tingles right now thinking of some of my favorite spaces I've ever been in where I'm just in awe and I just feel great and you feel special. And, and when you really give that to your guests and they're excited that they get to stay in your Airbnb, like I can't believe I get to stay in a place like this. When people give you that kind of feedback, you have done it right. So that's my niche, is teaching how to be a heart-centered host and how to use design as one of those aspects, but then also just truly caring about your guests, wanting to connect with them individually. And, you know, you don't have to be best friends, but just making them feel important, making them feel seen and acknowledged that they're an individual and not just some number that's going to pay you money and that's all you care about. So there's that. And then I also have now this, it's my business has sort of really gone toward the protection aspect too, because I talk about that so much and I see such a need for people to protect themselves. And so, you know, I sell a rental contract um, as well. And that sounds like hotcakes. Like that's my biggest seller. It's crazy. People are like, oh my God, sign me up. You know, they don't want all these horrible things happening to them that they hear stories about. Yes. Uh, You bring up such a good point too, because it's like, it's like even on, on TikTok, right? You've got three minutes to talk about something. And so yeah. we'll make these videos that'll focus on the hospitality aspect or the design aspect or putting the client first or like anything that really is the bread and butter of Airbnb. And yeah. you'll get like four views. And then it, you'll also make a TikTok that talks about your profitability at the end of the month. And those will go viral. I, viral I'll make one. it. And I'll send it to Emily and I'm like, I'm not even passionate about this. And I already know that it's going to get close to a million views. Like I, it just, it's like obnoxious because it's, you know, and the nice part about Airbnb growing and kind of expanding in the way that it is, is that, you know, the people are getting really good at it. And I feel like that's in a way pushing out the 25th percentile, which needs to happen, right? Like I don't want to go to an Airbnb that's crappy, that has a crappy host, that has a crappy design, that has a crappy experience. Like, Right. I'm rooting for those people to go out of business, even though we're part Amen. of the same community. So, yes, yeah. And that really, for me, that's such a passion. And that's why I do this. And and, and I've felt so fulfilled with the, the number of hosts that have given me that feedback. And oh, I've never thought of that. And, mm-hmm. and realizing that we're just helping to build a stronger, better Airbnb community of better hosts, hosts that are in it for the right reasons. You know, because there's a big like on my TikTok right now, a couple of things that I posted just talking about vetting your guests and and asking questions and making sure that they're the right fit. Everyone's like, you're a racist. And you know, <laughs> they're like coming at me. And I'm like, no, you know, if you <laughs> not if, it. if you want to borrow a million dollars from a bank, you go through 30 days of underwriting and they look in every crevice, you know, in your body to see if you they should give you that million dollars. But you want me to hand my million dollar property to you because you clicked a couple buttons on Airbnb? Like, you know, come on, let's let's get into reality here and understand a host has, you know, we have the right to ask questions. And of course, race has nothing, you know, that never Oh, my gosh. And there's that too. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and I have had some of my, like I had one girl be like, oh my gosh, what do I do? I got an an ID from someone in Mexico. And I was like, okay, is there a problem? Can you send me what she said? Why are you concerned? Well, she's from Mexico. And I was like, oh, and I literally just like, you know, that's racist. Like you cannot discriminate like that. You will be banned from Airbnb. That is not, I would just straight up said that is not okay. I see no red flags with this girl. You just, she sounds lovely. You need to just accept the booking. Oh my gosh. So there's that too. Yeah. Well, and it's like, you're in the travel industry. Like you're do you expect only people like you to be traveling? <laughs> it just seems like an insane, insane perspective. It's for me, it's just about character and integrity. And are you going to follow my rules? Like, that's it. Are you going to respect my my property? Are you going to treat it like, you know, like I want you to? That's that's all I care about. Yeah, yeah. Don't bring 28 people into my 400 square foot unit and we'll be good. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, it's fine to look for red flags. Like if they have horrible reviews from other hosts or if they yes. have no reviews and have are brand new, it probably means yeah. that they made a new account. Like there's things that you look for, but like yeah. not that kind of stuff. No, <laughs> not like, you know, what's the color of your skin and, you know, you know, how much money do you make? Like we don't ask those things. <laughs> we just, yeah. yeah, anyway. No, we set our price point intentionally. Like we're, if we're offering a quality yes. experience, we want quality guests. That's all. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Just don't destroy my place. And yeah, don't have the cops come to my house and make my neighbors hate me. <laughs> yeah you know yeah. yeah and please make great memories in my space that's what it's here for yes yes that's the best those are the best like when you get that feedback of just how much fun they had and the pictures and they send you pictures of their family enjoying your space oh it's the best it really yeah. is that's that's another really nice thing that i think about with airbnb is like guests will reach out to you afterwards being like i had the best time here and i loved this such and this such and you don't hotel owners don't get that like they don't no. care that people who owns the Hilton and Marriott, they don't care what your experience right. was as long as you're like in and out and it's like a good experience, obviously, but they don't, yeah. they don't want to hear about the memories that you made. But with Airbnb, that's exactly how it is, which is. Really and that's just it. It's individuals hosting individuals, you know, and yes, lots of companies have come in and there's big companies hosting on Airbnb. But, you know, again, that's up to the guests to decide which is the better fit for them. And sometimes guests want a hotel experience through Airbnb, then you need to seek out that sort of a host. But that's where the, the guest needs to do their own vetting and kind of get a feel for the host because there's some really nitpicky, you know, in your face hosts. And there's, which is fine, that's totally okay. There's some hosts that want to greet you at the door and give you a basket of goodies and like sit and have breakfast with you in the morning and be all in you know, in your space. And some people love that, but that's, you know, there's just so many different styles of hosting. You just guess and host both have to vet each other. Yeah, it's gotta be a match. Amen. Yeah, exactly. Well, I have another question for you. So what would you say is your biggest challenge as a host and an investor in short-term rentals? The biggest challenge in the very beginning was not taking things personally. Uh, you know, I put my heart and soul into my rentals in the Cape and I would come a year later after a season was over and things would be moved or broken or stained or missing. And I would be so upset. It would break my heart. I would feel so disrespected and, you know, how dare they? And it just like, I just didn't get it. I didn't have the proper expectations. People are on vacation and, you know, who knows? So that was the hardest thing. And then I would say the second thing was um, setting, just setting expectations for myself as a host and understanding that people are people, things will get broken, they will go missing, and just setting up my business in a way that it could absorb those littler things so that I wasn't a nitpicky host, nickel and diming people. But, um, but then only the big things, you know, would be brought to a guest's attention uh, to deal with. So yeah, I would say that was the biggest struggle. That's so true. That's so true. Like, even to this day, I mean, it's like when we walk into our own units, like our cleaners, you know, they get a heads up that we're going to be staying there. So they'll do an extra good job of making sure that it's like spotless for us. But regardless, I mean, your throw pillows, they're going to have snags, your, your blankets, they might have snags or stains. Like, yeah. it just is one of those things that at the end of the day, they're the guest priority is that they're having a good time on their vacation. You are not their yes. priority, right? So yeah. you're totally right on the expectation front. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's different. Like if I did learn quickly to not have very valuable antiques in the house because it was an antique farmhouse. It was probably from, I don't know, the 1900s or something like a farmhouse table, dining table. I don't even want to know what they did on the table, but I got there and like, it was just completely like the leg had snapped off. And I mean, I don't know what happened on top of that table, but, <laughs> but they tried to fix it and they did a really bad job of it. And so then it was just all wobbly and I had to, you know, I had to pull that out and put a new table in. So, you know, you learn. <laughs> it resonates. <laughs> <laughs> right it's like you say like the highest quality most durable things 
as a de- no as as a designer even it's like hard not to get attached to the things that like were picking out for people's places because i'm like oh my gosh i love this so much and then like a little while later they might be like oh hey can you send me the link because i have to reorder it or i need to order something else because it broke and i'm like it broke like i'm so <laughs> mad like somebody broke it i took so much time you just yeah. can't get attached stuff no like, but it's like you guys say all the time in in your videos that the like the things that get the most traffic, the most use, that need to be the most durable, that's where you spend your money. Like get quality sofas, dining tables, you know, chairs, like that's what people are going to be using and jumping on and playing and roughhousing and whatever. You just need things to not be like, you know, a matchstick box. <laughs> Even though that's cute. Right. <laughs> you know, a laugh. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay, so I have another question here for you. Um, what is the most valuable piece of advice you've received from someone in regards to investing in short-term rentals? Keep emotion out of the purchase process. It is so hard for me, especially. I'm just a very emotional person to begin with. I just feel everything deeply. And, you know, you've worked really hard for your money. And uh, it is very difficult to make choices and decisions when you're investing and, and keep emotions out of it, but you've got to do your absolute best. And if you struggle with this, find a mentor, find somebody who has done what you want to do and, and have somebody that can help you just look at the numbers, you know, because that's, you really make your money when you buy. It's, it's, and then you're ex like having more than one exit strategy. That was another thing too, that I learned, um, that you need to, when you're getting in, you can't put all your eggs in one basket of it working out one particular way because there's market shifts. You just never know what's going to happen with Airbnb rules or, you know, just the market in general and housing prices and so you need to make sure you've got a plan A, plan B for your exit strategy. But the most important thing, no matter how much you love a house, is that you don't be like, I have to have this house and way overpay or something like that. And then it cuts into your profit for the rest of the time. And then, you know, so, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard to do, too. I mean, I think for like us here, like, you know, we'll interview some people that are very numbers driven and not emotionally driven at all about, you know, the house or the architecture, or the design or anything. And and so, you know, there it seems easier for them to make that smart investment up front. Whereas I think yeah. I know for me, like when I'm looking at houses, I'm like, but I just want it so bad. Like I want it to right. be mine. <laughs> I, I just missed out on a mid-century home. Oh, it was so painful. And there was another one before that. We just didn't have our numbers and our lending and all that together yet. It was like a 1920s. It looked like a Frank Lloyd Wright. There was all this carving and wood detail and wallpaper and original lighting and just, oh my gosh, that house. I was like, I want to be buried in this house. It was so awesome. I would have paid like $3 million. No, I'm kidding. But I, I mean, I probably would have been willing to overpay for that house because I just wanted it so bad. And that you'll find it, you know, some people are very left-brained. Some people are very right-brained. We, all three of us sitting here are creatives, right? That's where we primarily function from is our heart and soul. And so this is where we have to know in investment world, that's a limitation. And as much as we can see vision that a lot of other people can't see, we also have to balance that with mentors and people that can help us stay grounded in the investment process and really be more numbers driven. But then on the back end, the really numbers driven people where that's their natural state of mind, they're going to struggle more to be the heart centered host in the back end. They're going to struggle more to create that experience for the guest because they're not so heart driven. Yeah. One thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, we see that all the time, like people who come to us for design help. It usually is a conversation with a husband and wife. And typically it's like the husband is like, look, I know this is a good investment. And the wife is like, look, I know we need to put money into the experience. And the husband is so numbers driven that he's like, mm, like, do we really need this? And I'm like, oh, oh, this is a classic case of, you know, yin and yang. You like you have to have both. Yes. Yeah. So I think people are starting to come around to it. I mean, I don't I don't think that, you know, especially when 
investors who are getting into short-term rental space typically are coming from a long-term rental space where design was not a part of the conversation at all. And so now that right. it is part of a conversation, they want to spend the least amount of money on it. And in, in reality, it's your only control factor on increasing your profits versus your competitors. And so right. it increases the value in design so much. And so for us, that's been a huge learning curve on like, okay, it's very easy to get you know the creative person in the relationship on board with why this is important. But now we have to switch the conversation to cater to investors as to why financially it also makes sense. And you're so right because you know, we have our own experience. I mean, when I bought that Cape Cod house in the beginning, Grandma's Cottage, they would already rent it out in the summer and they would rent it for like $16.75 a week. By the time I was done with it, I was renting it for $3,000 a week. And by the time I sold it, it was up to like almost $4,000 a week. And it was because it was one of the most beautiful pet-friendly homes available. And as more people came online, I was one of the first in that area to put an interior photo as my primary photo. All the rest of it was, you see the outside of the house. I'm like, well, they all look the same. How do I know what I'm getting? Now I have to click through to see what it looks like on the inside. So I was like, boom, here's what it looks like on the inside from the beginning. And I mean, I outperformed my market unbelievably there. And I, over the years, tried to find management companies to run it for me so I could focus on other things. Not one. I worked with three companies. None of them could ever match what I was able to earn um, because they would usually either try to overcharge or they would undercharge. And, you know, I just, it's, it's, anyway, that's getting into a whole nother topic, but Still, it's so it's like the numbers driven, even putting the money into beautiful design, it 100% equals higher average nightly rates. Every single time. Yeah, it's funny because my husband and I are that couple where like I, but previous to us starting Airbnb design, obviously now he sees the value in it because he's seen it in like real life happen. But previous to all of this, he would never have been the type of person who would want to put money into design because he's mm. like, well, I can, I'll just go do it myself. I, I don't need to put the money into it and make more money on the back end. And I was like, well, yeah, we can do it because you have me, but like it makes a difference to actually put it into design even in our own home he could really care less like what goes into it he just doesn't have that mindset and so there yeah. are so many people where you actually you just have to prove it to them by showing them and that's what it took with him and now he's like oh yeah, yeah whatever put whatever you need into it but before yeah. then I, we are the yeah. that exact stereotypic couple and it used to be enough to just create a really nice space you know but even that's not enough now you've got to have something in some areas some areas it's fine just you know make it nice and I, I feel like so many airbnbs are starting to look the same and this is why you guys caught my eye right from the beginning because you're not doing that cookie cutter everybody's house has the brown couch and the white walls and the black accents and the plants you know that sort of like boho modern i mean it's lovely but everybody's doing that and let's give them something different you know, and so that's I just am always such a rebel. Whatever the trend is at the time, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and maybe that's stupid. Maybe I should be doing that and I make more money because that's what everybody wants. But I just want to be unique. I don't know. It sticks yeah. out on a page when you're scrolling through and all you see is white walls. And then like if I was scrolling through and then all of a sudden I saw your properties, I'd be like, oh, dang. OK. And Ooh. at least they're stopping to look at it. Right. Like it's Man. different on a page. Yeah. Yeah. I call that the pop off the page formula. Like there's, you just, yes. I have a handout for that. Like you just have to, when you're designing too, you have to design for photographs. You're not mm -hmm. just designing for what it looks like. Like you have to stand out among your competition and there are certain ways and certain things that you can do in your design that when it's photographed, it's going to grab attention there. It's psychology. It's just something that if you think about while you're designing and you think about who your demographic is while you're designing, you're going to just do so much better. You will be in that 95th percentile. Yeah. I Am I saying that right? Yeah. That's right. Like the top 5% is what that means. Okay. Yeah. I still am struggling to wrap my brain. I'm a little dyslexic, so my brain struggles with those things a little. <laughs> I was designing a property back in January, and I was working with a client, 
and there was like a corner and it was just like a random corner and she was like well maybe something can go here and I was like is it going to be in photos and she was like well no and I was like okay then we're taking the money that we would have put something there and we're putting it over here for an Instagrammable moment because it's nobody's going to use what's in that corner it's not going to be in photos so why are we going to put the money towards it she was like oh well yeah that makes sense but like if I was living here and I was like you have to take that out because you're not living here and that's like the difference with people is is it going to be in photos because that's where you need to put the money (laughs) right yeah yeah yep and it's just like you know the difference between I can grab my DSLR DLSR camera my Canon and I can go and set it on my tripod and take photos of my place they are never going to be as good as the pro photographers period they just won't be i mean i can try all day long and in some places again you can get away with you know amazing photos you can get on your iphone you know and that's fine but the majority of like hot areas that people are wanting to invest in you really just have to get the professional i feel some type of way about those photos i'm like if you are gonna spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a property and you're gonna skimp on probably the most impactful thing in an airbnb that costs under five hundred dollars typically like my blood just boils (laughs) for me the the biggest challenge for me in that is because i'm a designer and i love thrifting and that's a big part of my design is bringing thrifted unique pieces in my design, even in my Airbnbs, is constantly evolving. And also because I like people to come back and see, oh, ooh, well, look at that. That's new. That wasn't here last time, you know, and give them a different experience each time. And that just, it feeds my thrifting habit. So that's a challenge for me because, you know, photographers aren't always cheap, but as long as it still mostly looks the same as your photos, you know, they're fine. They're not going to be mad that there's a new cool piece of original art on the wall. But anyway. So that's that's my challenge. I'm like, well, now I want to photograph it all over again. Yeah. We just booked a trip to Scotland, my husband and I, and he was sending me Airbnbs to stay at. And then one of them he sent and it would like didn't have good photos. And another one was a little more expensive, but it had nicer photos. And I was like, oh, my gosh, these photos look fantastic. We booked that one. Of course, you're (laughs) going to spend more money on the cuter place. That has always been my way. And even before I was in this business, like, when I was traveling in Europe, I'm going for that boutique hotel. I'm not going to go for the cookie cutter. Like I want the one where I feel like I'm a princess in, you know, the Renaissance. Like I don't, there was a hotel in London that I stayed in. The wife did all the rooms and they were like so over the top spectacular. Like every, I mean, talk about maximalism, which I'm known for my maximalism style. Every inch of the walls are covered. (laughs) I'm that girl. But this was how she designed and it just grabbed my heart and squeezed it and massaged it and made me so happy and I had all the butterflies and oh my gosh I loved staying there and I was poor I was in my 20s and I did not care I spent the extra money to stay there exactly <laughs> oh same same every single time I'm like Amen, right? I'm less concerned about the activity I'm doing throughout the day and I'm more concerned about the stay but it just like fuels my soul every single time Dang, that's what I want to come home to and just sit there and like have my tea and crumpets and yeah <laughs> Exactly. Yes, I love yes. it. We have a, just a couple more questions for you. Okay. Um, so has there been any pivotal moments during your journey that changed your overall strategy in real estate or as a host? Yes, I, I'm a type A personality. So I would say I started out much less heart centered on the customer facing side. You know, obviously, I put my whole heart and soul into creating the space for them. Um, but I had to learn how to get better at customer service, especially when there was a problem or I felt like a guest was being unfair or even, you know, being a little scaminator. Um, I, my husband taught me this and he calls it the sandwich strategy where no matter how much of a jerk you feel your guest is being, you start out by validating them and showing empathy and understanding, but then you share your concern or your position and your solution, and then you end it with another validation, empathy, whatever, but you always end it on a positive note. So you start on a positive note, say what they what you need to say, even if it's gonna be disappointing to them, and then you finish it that way. And I have found that that has really helped me with keeping people happy, right? But then also on the front end, my messaging to them right in the beginning is 
is uh, validating them and saying, hi, I'm so honored to be your guest. Thank you so much for choosing my place. And I had so many to choose from. I take your experience very seriously. Can you tell me about yourself and who's coming? What's the purpose? And how can I make your stay more special? That script right there earns me five-star reviews even when things go wrong. Because by the time we've engaged with each other and they've told me why they're coming and if there's something they tell me that I have in common with them, I tell them that and then we have a little conversation about it. And now they like me so much that even if something goes horribly wrong, it would break their heart to leave anything but a five-star review. So sometimes people have just not left a review if something really went wrong. Or they still leave the five-star review and just say, hey, I know you're going to tackle this and take care of it because they know how much I care. That right there changed my business. I believe it. Uh, it just, uh, it makes me feel so good hearing hosts say that because it's like when, you know, when people get into Airbnb, a lot of times they'll be like attracted to the passive side of it, right? And and it can be passive, but like when they want it to be passive, they immediately start looking for a management company and they'll go to like Evolve or they'll go to Vacasa. And like I have stayed in multiple properties that are managed by one of those two major management companies and they don't send a single message. And for me, it like starts the experience on a bad note and it doesn't matter how, yeah, it doesn't matter how good the property is. I'm just like, I like they don't even know that I'm here, you know, like it just doesn't it just like removes that personal touch. And that was always a component of Airbnb from the beginning was that peer to peer situation. And so it just you, you can't forget about it. Yeah. And that that's saying something about finding somebody say like you you do scale to the point where you can't manage your own finding somebody who cares about it just as much as you do. I stayed at a property in Fort Worth and this guy was a co-host on the property. It wasn't his, but we, our, our car got towed. It was like a whole big situation from the parking spot that they told us. And I've never had a better experience with somebody. And I was livid that the car got towed, right? Like we were not happy. We had to take an Uber to the tow place in the morning. It was a whole thing, but he was so nice the entire time. Like we were looking at houses. And so he was recommending areas to look in houses. He talked to us throughout our entire trip. So when the car got towed and he paid for the tow and he paid for the Uber and we had talked to him the whole time, we left a five-star review, even though our car got towed during the trip, because he had taken the time to talk to us the entire time we were there. It was so nice. And I was like, I'm not mad. Like, I'm not mad at you. Sure, it sucks that the car got towed, but like, we're moving on. You were nice. We're not going to leave you a bad review because of it. And I still had a good experience. So finding somebody, even a co-host who cares as much as you do, it could be rare, but worth it if you can weed through the bad ones. Yes, we love that. Well, Emily, do you want to ask the last question before we start wrapping up and telling people where uh, they can find her? Absolutely. So very last question we like to ask people is what is your least favorite part of the short-term rental process? If I'm being 100% honest, and especially after yesterday's announcement, uh, how important Airbnb has become, what a huge player they have become and how little they support hosts. Um, I just miss being able to talk to people before they book my home. You know, back in the day, it was you had a phone number and an email and you talked to them on the phone and you got to know them a bit. And I, I just I miss that. Um, but Airbnb, it's a necessary evil. No matter how much we might hate changes in their policies or whatever, we just have to learn how to strategize and use their platform to our best benefit. Um, you know, I think if we get too negative about changes and and things you know because gosh before airbnb came along i just was doing my happy little thing and then airbnb came and like shook the whole industry up and i resisted at first and i actually got banned from airbnb on my first listing because i continued to take security deposits and they did not want me and i'm like who do you think you are telling me i can't take a security deposit but Anyway, so, you know, you just have to learn to work with the changes and you have to be flexible. Um, but that I, because str- I'm a control freak, I want to be in control of my own process. But this is also why I work so hard to create paths toward direct bookings where people can just find me and book directly with me and where I have an established reputation that people can see so that they feel comfortable booking with me directly 
you know, Absolutely. a brand new person's going to have a harder time of that because, you know, guests like to feel the comfort that they have or the security of going through a platform like Airbnb, feeling like they will be protected. So we have to just find ways to offer that to them no matter yeah. what, no matter how they book. Use Airbnb as a stepping stone. Kind of Amen. A it's a tool in the tool belt. It is not the whole business. Yeah. That should not be where we place our entire business in their basket because Airbnb cares about Airbnb. Yeah. I think the term Airbnb and short-term rental has become like interchangeable. It's a verb. When in reality, <laughs> short-term rentals is the top tier and Airbnb and Verbo and everything is underneath it. But Airbnb and short-term rental have kind of become like alternating terms. Yes. And yeah, that's and on branding. Yep. Yeah, it's the most recognizable. I mean, they are brilliant. Yep. They have done such a good job. Now we Airbnb our homes. Yep. Even if it's on Verbo or Booking.com or we direct, we're it's that's just because I say STR, short-term rental. People are like, "What's that?" Yeah. You say Airbnb. Oh yeah, that's cool. They know exactly immediately. Yeah, you can use it yeah. to your advantage to too for like arbitraging. You can say, "I want a short-term rental in my this unit," but if you tell them and they're fine with that, but then if you say you want to Airbnb it, they're like, "No." But if you don't use the word well, Airbnb, Airbnb, they're like totally fine. Yeah. So you can work it to your advantage, I guess, in certain situations. It's true. Yeah, okay. yeah, but out of this is kind of a side note question, but out of the properties like your um, Cape Cod property that's been running for a while um, and you talk about direct bookings, what percentage of your bookings now for an established property are direct bookings versus how many still come through Airbnb? Well, I've since sold that one, but by the time I sold it, I would say, uh, I'm, you know, I'm going to go back to before I allowed other people to run it. Cause I basically lost all my, they, they just blew all of my returning guests out of the water because they were corporate. We don't care about you companies. Um, so before then I would say probably 50%, like I, the majority of my summer would get booked up, uh, by returning guests. So that would be direct. Or there's a website called We Need a Vacation there that just, it's old school how Verbo used to be. And they just directly connect you with your your guest. You just pay to advertise there. Um, and maybe 3% of my bookings came from Airbnb there. Wow. My primary source, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen that. I mean, we helped a, a lady who had several cabins in New York and she was opening up a wedding venue with cabins on the wedding property. And she was saying that the cabins that she had run, she had run her family. They were in her family since like 2003, I think. And she was saying that, you know, they had such an established name out there that Airbnb, there was only about 15% of the year that could book on Airbnb because of all of those direct bookings. But I mean, yes, you're right. Airbnb is such a necessary evil if people want to get bookings right away. But I mean, there definitely is a play as you get further and further into it to yeah. push away from that platform. Yeah, it's a great place to launch, but it's also why I collect email addresses from my guests and get their permission to send them emails. And you know, and then invite them back directly after that. Um, unless they prefer to book through Airbnb, then that is, I, I don't try to coerce them not to, but right. I give them that option. And a lot of people enjoy, you know, once they know me and trust me, then they don't feel the need for Airbnb quite as much. Yep. Absolutely. Perfect for returning guests. Not so great for first time guests. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, as we wrap this up, where can people find you and where, what services do you offer? So, Instagram is where I am the most active. I am becoming more active on TikTok, but both places, my handle is at Marilyn Taylor and Marilyn is spelled M-A-R-I-L-Y-N-N -N, Taylor, two N's. Uh, and to find out all the things that I have to offer, the best place to go is MarilynTaylor.com forward slash courses or forward slash hub. And that's going to take you to my member vault where I have all my downloads and rental contract leases and my course and, and all the fun things. But come find me on Instagram. That's where I'm most active and uh, say hello. That's where we found you. So <laughs> it was so nice at the very beginning, like feeling so siloed in the Airbnb interior design world to see that someone had been doing it for a while. We're like, oh, yes, <laughs> we're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you guys stood out to me right from, from the beginning. And to see how far you've come in such a short time, it is spectacular to see. And it, it, I'm so happy for you guys. Thank, Thank you. you. We've got a long way to go, but we're, I mean, 
we are driven by passion at this point. So yeah, you can tell. And there's always still, I mean, I'm still learning, you know, there's, and I love how many, how collaborative so many people in the space are where we can learn from each other. I mean, I, I learned from you guys. So yeah, well, we and it's have, cool. You guys have such a fresh perspective, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be interesting as time goes on to see new people come in the space and show us things that we didn't know. You know, there are yeah. new influencers that pop up every single day. And half the time these new influencers will pop up in some of their first videos. I'm like, I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Man, it just it is an yeah. ever changing hamster wheel of stuff you can True. learn in this industry. So yeah. it's... And some people, you know, not everybody should be an Airbnb host. Mm -hmm. And I am learning that from being an ambassador. Like not everybody has what it takes. Not everybody has the instincts. A lot of people like, but there are some people they just get it. They launch strong. And I'm like, dang, you are amazing. So yeah, you just, you know, be honest with yourself if you're thinking about getting into the space. Yep, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we appreciate all the tidbits. I'm sure that Emily and I both are going to, after this call, talk to each other and be like, holy cow, we learned so much. Yes. I feel like <laughs> this these podcasts have been such a blessing for us as well, just improving our own knowledge in this space. So uh, we yeah, appreciate you. Fun. We will tag everything of yours below. And for our listeners, please go give her a follow and plug in. Community is everything in this space. So um, Emily, did you want to plug our stuff as well as we wrap up here? Yes, absolutely. Well, first of all, there's been a lot of technical difficulties on this episode, so I'm hoping that I edit this one correctly, guys. So give me a little slack, but <laughs> you can find us at superhostlabs.com or at superhostlabs on TikTok and Instagram. And Sarah and I are at the Carwells on everything. Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you again, Marilyn. And to all of our listeners, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye. It was such a pleasure. Thank you.